0: Hi there and welcome back to Letters from Your Dog. If you are a dog professional, listen up because we've got something really cool coming soon to Paws Up Dogs. After speaking to loads and loads of my dog professional peers and colleagues, I found that there wasn't really a space for people to go to share the more difficult side of the job that we do. So whether you're a veterinarian or a dog trainer, a behaviorist, a physiotherapist, canine hydrotherapy, whatever it is that you do, a groomer perhaps, We don't often talk about the more difficult side of our jobs, the emotional side of working with dogs and their people, whether we're working with a dog that's very anxious or shut down or aggressive or whether we're working with people who are very anxious or upset or worried about the behaviour that they're seeing from their dog. Sometimes our job can be really, really hard and it's important to have a space where you can talk confidentially about the difficult side of the job. Get some support from your peers in a place that you know you're not going to be judged, you're just going to be listened to and it's confidential so no one can hear all those difficult emotions that you might be experiencing. If that sounds like something that would be useful to you, go and check in the show notes. There'll be a link there for you to sign up for the waiting list to find out and hear more information about this when it comes out or if you're listening after the launch date then there'll be an opportunity to sign up and join us okay let's get to the episode parenting your much-loved dog is a relationship like no other our dogs are individuals and there is no one-size-fits-all when it comes to training hi i'm dr holly Tet, professional dog trainer and clinical psychologist and each week on letters from your dog we'll look at understanding specific dog training questions and struggles from your dog's point of view thanks for being here let's get to the episode Hi everyone and welcome back to Letters from Your Dog. I'm your host Holly. If we haven't met before, thank you for being here. And also a huge thank you to our listeners in general because we hit a huge milestone this week. Last week we hit a um, 10,000 download milestone and this week we hit a 15,000 download milestone. So thank you so much for your continued support of the podcast. If you haven't yet, please do go ahead and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, be it iTunes or Spotify or Google Play so that you can be notified when new episodes appear and it really does help us to spread the word a little bit further as well. So thank you. So today we're going to be talking about something um, that I think is a common question and it's something that's a little bit taboo sometimes, a bit hard to speak about and that is how to get other people on board with your training but specifically when those other people have some quite traditional or punishment based beliefs about how dog training or working with dogs should go. So some of you who attended this year's keynote conference, Kindness is Essential Not Optional, which is our annual conference at pause Up Dogs. You may have heard me speak about this and I spoke about it in quite a lot of depth in one of my interviews during that conference this year. So if you want to go and check that out along with some incredible interviews from some amazing trainers, behaviorists from across the world, just head over to pauseupdogs.com forward slash conferences. That's pauseupdogs.com forward slash conferences and you can check that out over there but in that interview I was speaking in a bit more depth about depth about how to uh, get people on board with your training in general so how to kind of get them invested in what it is that you're doing and the way that you're doing it but today I want to concentrate a little bit more specifically like I said on how to work with people when they have a very different ethos to you when it comes to working with your dog and often this can be quite close to home so this could be your partner This could be your children. This could be other people in your house, your parents perhaps. This could be your local trainer. So maybe you live somewhere very remote and you want to get some support face-to-face, but actually the only person available is someone who doesn't really meet the same kind of criteria that you do when it comes to thinking about being kind to our dogs when we're working with them Um, and this can be tricky (laughs) because often we're quite set in our ways aren't we we have our beliefs and we have our beliefs that are there for a reason be that because we have learned about something from a certain person and we trust that person or that that resource or because it's just always been that way or maybe we had an experience where we thought that working with dogs in an unkind way was really effective and it was explained to us in such a way that, you know, well, dog needs to know its place and pack mentality and alpha and all of those kinds of ideas that most um well, certainly force-free and positive reinforcement-based trainers don't really hold too much stock with anymore, but they are still prevalent um, in the world and on social media and on the television and places like that. So it makes sense that a lot of us would hold these beliefs. But as I said, it can be quite challenging when (laughs) that person with that other kind of set of beliefs is in your own house and you're both working with that dog. So, what I would start is I would start by trying to get an understanding of why that person holds those beliefs. So let's, let's say, um, you want to walk your dog on a harness and a double-ended lead, let's say, which is one option. And let's say your partner, we're going to go for the partner because that's probably the most obvious one. I think they want to use a choke lead so they want to have a, a slip slip lead on the dog that tightens when the dog pulls and is uncomfortable around their neck. Um, and there's two ways of training. So you maybe are using positive reinforcement. So when your dog is walking nicely by your side, you're rewarding them for that. And as I said, your partner is, is letting the dog pull and then yanking back on the lead so that it tightens and chokes when they pull forward. So two very different methods there. Now, What I would say to start with, and this this also goes, if you are a dog trainer or behaviorist working with clients, is to, like I said, understand why their thinking comes from. So are they wanting to dominate the dog? Do they think that that is something that exists? Or is it more a case that they are wanting to have some semblance of control so they don't want to look embarrassed in the street when the dog pulls forward maybe the dog's very strong and very powerful and they don't want to be yanked along or maybe actually they themselves are conscious of the fact that the dog is pulling and straining and sounding like they're struggling to breathe and they don't like that <laughs> so they think that the quickest and most appropriate method to stop that is to cause a little bit of discomfort so the dog learns oh that's not very nice i better walk nicely so often we come in hot and heavy we think that these people are using these punitive punishing methods and they just want to be harmful towards their dogs to be honest I find that nine times out of ten these people are coming from a place of care for their dog so some of those reasons I just outlined it's just that they maybe don't have an awareness of other methods or they think they won't work maybe they've tried something and it hasn't worked because they haven't quite had the skill set yet they haven't had someone to show you how to show them how to really do it properly and so they've written it off and they've gone back to some of these methods so i'd just be cautious to really find out where that motivation is coming from If someone starts to say to you, "Oh, you know, I really feel like I need to have some control over this dog because they're very strong and very powerful," and it doesn't necessarily need to be a massive dog. This could be a small dog because I'll tell you this: my border collie, when she discovered that she could pull on the lead, my goodness, she's only sixteen kilos, and the power that went through that was, yeah, it really hurt my shoulder. So you know, even little dogs can be very powerful as well when they want to be. So you really want to think about if someone's saying, "I feel like I need." to have some kind of semblance of control okay well that's fine but there are other ways of getting that dog to volunteer to walk nicely and what I tend to say is explain to them why punishment is problematic and then show them why positive reinforcement works so let's take the first one so that the way I usually explain it is punishment will work to a degree So there's a reason why there's hundreds of different tools and different punishment-based techniques and methodologies out there. They do work, so the dog may stop pulling in the moment. However, the way they don't work is they don't actually teach the dog what we'd like them to do instead. So in this example, not to pull on the lead. In fact, what usually happens is the dog pulls forward gets a yank on the lead ouch that hurt stops pulling okay maybe we'll walk a few steps nicely and then they pull forward again oh that hurts yanks forward comes back again that was a bit painful stops and then they see a squirrel and then we're yanking forward again and so if that dog is being punished over and over and over again clearly they aren't really learning are they they aren't making that association in a strong enough way to stop them from pulling in the first place so i tend to say to someone if you're using a lot of punishment with your dog chances are you're going to have to keep using that punishment forever so all day long all month long <laughs> all year long for the next five 10 15 years you're gonna to have to say get down when they jump up you're gonna to have to push them off when they put their paws on the table you're gonna to have to shout no when they try and steal their brother's food or your children's food off the table because they aren't learning what they should be doing instead so that is an explanation that I find gets through to a lot of people because it's the truth and it makes sense and they can see it happening so often people will say to me I tell him no and I say okay well He may understand from your tone and maybe your body language that he's done something wrong, but he doesn't really know what. So is it the fact that he put his paws on the coffee table? My alarm going off in the background there. So is it the fact that he put his his paws on the coffee table? Or is it the fact that he put his paws on the coffee table and you said no at the same moment that mum came in the room and a bird flew past the window and there was a noise in the next room? So to a dog, what we think is a very simple picture, your paws are on the table, so I'm telling you off, may not look the same to them. And that's a very key, important piece, I think, that it's useful to communicate to people. Okay, so then we want to think about, okay, if we've kind of explained that's why punishment is effective to a degree, but then you end up having to use it ad infinitum and forever and ever and ever, then we want to... Not really explain why positive reinforcement works, but actually show them. (laughs) So I like to go straight in and give that person, be it my training client, be it my partner, be it my children, my parents, a really easy win. So teach something so incredibly simple that you can see that dog is going to win at and allow them to have the success with the dog so my go-to is usually a hand touch most dogs can pick up a hand touch super super fast and that way you can quickly hand over the skill to the person it's not too taxing on them either so they don't have to worry about messing it up too much hand it straight over to them and then they're like oh my gosh he's so clever (laughs) and this is going to make them feel really really good and you can say see look it's so effective and it's so quick because that's the other problem and the other worry that people have is there's some kind of notion that positive reinforcement is much slower than punishment well no (laughs) if you do it right it's really not it's fast it's effective so it's thinking about okay well what can i do to really show that person that this is effective rather than just telling them because if people have a belief that is very different from yours you could tell them all day long about why you're right and they will just come back and say why they are right (laughs) you just end up completely polarized to either ends of the spectrum so showing them rather than telling them is really really helpful so once you've got a focus on the wins then you can say to them okay so how will we know that we've made progress with this training with this with this dog or this puppy how are you going to know that things are better in a week or a month how are you going to tell and get them to let you know what they need so are they someone that needs a recipe list of exactly what to do on every single day or are they someone that needs to be you know dipping in and out of things a bit more freely that's going to really help you to help them to continue to succeed with that dog or that puppy and then you can, once you've got them on board a little bit more and you can see, oh, they're starting to come open to this, <laughs> this idea of this force-free positive reinforcement lark. They're a little bit more open to it. Then you can just start to use a car analogy. The car analogy is always a, a really useful one for most people. Because even if you don't drive, you've been in a car and you've seen someone else drive for the most part, right? So, I just say, you know, like you're learning to drive and there's so much in your head. You've got to think about your indicators, your mirrors, you're changing gear. If you've got a, a gearbox, you're thinking about pulling out parking, all of that stuff, road signs. What does it all mean? It's a nightmare. And I always specifically remember personally, so where I lived, there were quite um, quiet sort of wide roads and I was pootling along for the first few weeks perfectly happy and then the first time my instructor took me onto an actual main road and I was terrified I was like oh my gosh there's car's coming everywhere (laughs) and every time a car came down the other side of the road like nowhere near me I would like stamp on the brakes (laughs) come to an emergency stop in the middle of traffic every two seconds but just explain okay so it's really overwhelming when you've, you're learning learning to drive and you've got all these things in your head and then you know a few, da- few years down the line it's actually scary how we can end up driving from point a to point b and we've got no memory of the journey because we are completely on autopilot if you do positive reinforcement correctly and force free training correctly, that's what can start to happen for your dog. Now, we're not looking to create a robot dog. I certainly am not. I want a dog with some personality. But if a dog has enough of a reinforcement history of something being positively reinforced when they did that behavior, it becomes automatic. So to go back to that loose lead walking example, I've got a really bad back at the moment. I hurt my back this morning and I currently can't bend down much further (laughs) than a couple of centimeters I can't turn my head Um, and I needed to take my dog just down the road to use the the bathroom uh, because the garden's out of access at the moment and um, I couldn't get down to put his harness on I couldn't reach down to clip it so I managed to reach down far enough to be able to just put his collar on and attach a lead to the collar now he always walks on a harness but because he's had years and years and years of being reinforced for being close to my leg he walked beautifully next to me on a collar lovely relaxed lead no pulling whatsoever which was a godsend because I did not want any pulling on my bad back it was an automatic thing for him he didn't have to think I need to walk nicely I need to look up at mum which a lot of dogs get taught to only be reinforced when they look into my our eyes that's not what we're looking for we just want them to be next to our leg (laughs) so that was really really reinforcing for him um, to be to be in that position for years and years and years so today when i really needed it to be an automatic process that's exactly what it was so you can start to explain that to some people to the people that you're working with as well so as a little recap explain yes punishment works but you're gonna have to keep using it forever show them some quick wins so they can see oh this is really effective and fast and explain to them how it's going to start to become automatic for their dog the more times they keep that kind of reinforcement schedule up and that reinforcement history keeps building okay If you would like a few more tips and some help on this, I have got a little freebie that you can get your hands on. So go to the show notes and you will find a link there. Um, It's a little, very quick little PDF guide that just gives you some tips and tricks on how to get other people on board with your training, whether we're thinking about this specific scenario or more general things. Okay guys, I hope that was helpful. Speak to you soon. Bye. Hi there, thanks for listening. Don't forget if you are a dog training professional and you would like some more support with the emotional side of working with dogs and their people, so not so much learning how to train but actually how to work with anxiety and depression and some of those really tough days when it comes to being a dog professional then make sure you check out the link in the show notes if you are listening before we launch this then it will be a waiting list for you to join and if it's after our launch date then you can come ahead and see if you would like to become a member so it's all about providing a supportive confidential space for people to talk about some of the challenges of working with dogs and their people and to have it respected supported and listened to okay take care